Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Because we're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Balvard Radio. My name is Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the one and only diehard Chris, and of course the biggest, baddest, and drunkest one of one of them all, BFD. How are you fellas doing tonight? What's happening, Matt? Woo! Hello, BFD. <laughs> I knew it always come down to a frolicking threesome between the three of us. <laughs> I wish we could all shake each other's hands at the same time right now. <laughs> That's not my hand. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to preview the Texans 2018 offseason and then if BFD wants to stick around, he can. I don't know what his plans are for tonight, but uh, at least I heard Chris and I are going to talk a little about uh, movies and, you know, the Oscars are happening soon. And, and uh, we had a nice conversation about Blade Runner like seven months ago, so we'll we'll open up that uh, pod again. But the first thing is that the combine begins this week. Trades are already happening. Players are getting snipped. And the new league year begins on March 14th along with free agency. So tonight we'll just walk you all through what can happen with Houston this year. Uh, the first thing I want to just kind of put out there, just the resources Houston has, including the cut of Brian Cushing, the Texans have $63,802,367 in cap space, according to over the cap. And then this year's draft, they have three third-round picks, 60th, 90th, 60th, 80th from Seattle, 98th, which is their compensatory pick from losing A.J. Boye, a fourth round, three sixth-round picks, and a seventh-round pick. So, diehard Chris, are you comfortable that you know, the Texans have enough you know, available there to get you know, better immediately this offseason? I mean, you know, sure, they certainly have they certainly have the resources there, but of course, we have the completely unknown wild card that is Brian Gain, um, and we've sort of gotten uh, we've moved past the devil the devil we knew in uh, Rick Smith, you know, a guy who could hit on the first round picks and was uh, not so good in the middle rounds. Uh, not so great in the late rounds, pretty good at signing undrafted free agents. And, you know, his regular free agency record was spotty at best with a couple of the notable exceptions. Um, so certainly the resources are there. There's no question about that. Um, the free agent class isn't fantastic this year. Um, and you add to that the fact that, you know, all off season we heard or all during the season uh, ended, since it ended, we've heard all this talk about alignment, alignment. And we can only kind of guess as to what exactly that means. I know, I know what they think that they're saying it means when they say it to the public, but we don't really know what it means um, in terms of, you know, which players on this roster would we not have had O'Brien had his way before? You know, which guys would he have never drafted? Which guys would he have never brought in as a free agent? We're just not going to know that. So uh, certainly the resources are there. Um, I mean, I feel 
I can't say I feel good or bad about it because we just don't know Brian Game, but I, but I am glad to be uh, have moved past Rick Smith. Uh, I mean, I'm, much like most of us, I wasn't excited about Brian Game getting the job, but um, at the expense of getting rid of Rick, it was it was worth it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't answer that question. Why well, I meant is Bill O'Brien wanted all the good players the Texans have, and all the bad players mm-hmm. the Texans have. He did not want is uh, is what the answer to that question is. What about UBFD, are you, do you think the Texans have enough resources to be able to upgrade this roster immediately? I think we can pick and choose a couple positions. We can get, you know, a Norwell, which would help the offensive line tremendously. I think once you look at some of the other positions that need tight end, well, there's not a whole heck of a lot out there. Jimmy Graham, maybe. Um, you look at cornerback, you know, EJ Gaines is likely going to be available, especially with Devontae Davis signing up in Buffalo. Uh, we've talked about a couple of the other guys, uh, uh, Nickel, Roby Coleman. Am I getting his name right? So uh, there are a couple of guys, like he could fill in at the slot, but we, we just clearly need a lot of um, help um, defend, in the defensive backfield. I mean, Andre Howell is at best mediocre, at best. And, you know, the safety position, especially since, uh, you know, we let Glover Quinn go for Ed Reed has, has been – erratic at best and, you know we kind of talked about it last week but you know when you have when you have guys like Chris Hogan just doing disappearing acts because our safeties can't play and our, and our corners can't you know do their job very well well it, it creates big problems I think you've given up a lot of big plays we have to fix the the back end of our defense this year and I think we also really need to concentrate on getting some more pass rushing help we you know we need to do a better job getting to the um getting to the other quarterback. And you can say, well, we lost J.J. Watt. We lost Whitney Merciless. Okay, well, let's look at J.J. Watt. He's not going to be the same. We have to get past that at this point. Whitney Merciless, his best season sack numbers was 12. He's been, you know, otherwise he's, he's maybe a 7-8 kind of guy. So we could use a lot more help getting to the quarterback. So if you look at our team kind of in total and say, can we, can we get improve enough so that we can be a true playoff contender? I think we're kind of like on that edge where we can do that. But I still think this is a team, even if we do some major upgrades, it's, it's just not going to go very deep into the playoffs, Big Matt. What, uh, what do you think are the biggest weaknesses this team has to address this offseason? It has to be cornerback. I mean, it's cornerback and offensive line. And those two stick out like giant sore thumbs. Everybody kind of goes, duh. But they are duh kind of things. And, you know, you throw in tight end uh, to that as well and uh, get, you know, another – uh, linebacker who can get to the quarterback, even if it's just in pass rush situations. I think that those are three big deals that we need to address, and I'm still not even talking about wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Well, you, Dower, Chris, what, uh, what's the biggest weakness this team has this offseason? Yeah, like VFD said, it is, it is kind of a, an obvious answer, but at the same time, I mean, I think you can you can rank them as the DBs ahead of the offensive line just because at least with Watson out there, he can mask the horrid offensive line somewhat. Now, obviously, I don't want to get the guy killed, so they need to focus as much energy as they can on upgrading the offensive line. But I think because the fact of the fact that Deshaun can kind of hide that, I, I would put the defensive backfield at the top of the list personally. Uh, you got aging guys. You got guys like you know Kareem, who uh, I, I think will probably be here next year. But um, I think we've been screaming for a long time for him to have a position change. Um, and so that's an unknown. Even if they made the change, that's an unknown. What is known is that he's just not a very good corner um, right now. Uh, J. Joe is aging and a free agent, um, so that's complete. You just have no idea what's going on with that. Kevin Johnson is a complete 
unknown with, uh, I guess he has that fifth-year option decision that's going to have to be made soon. Um, so it just, it's just nothing but uncertainty. There's really nobody that you can 100% count on back there, uh, and that's a really tough position to be in, especially when there's also so much uncertainty with the pass rush. So for me, I, I would definitely prioritize fixing uh, or at least improving on the defensive back build, backfield uh, probably as one with the offensive line at 1A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, I can't disagree with that that at all. I agree with that as well, too. I think it's the, the secondary first because this was the worst part of the defense last year, and then second it would be the offensive line. And, you know, like you, you mentioned, Deshaun Watson can mask for the problems in the offensive line. And I think that's a, that was the idea last year as well, too. I mean, I know his idea last year was that in the lost Boye uh, with Watt, Merciless, and Clowney, the pass rush should be you know, great enough to make up for the secondary's issues. And obviously that didn't work out. But like you mentioned, you know, Joseph's going to be a free agent. Kareem Jackson uh, could possibly come. We'll talk about cuts here in a second. Kevin Johnson was one of the worst cornerbacks in football last year, and it's unbelievable just like how, how bad he was and how unenjoyable he was to watch as well too. And, you know, you're, that's, a, that's three cornerback spots. and like, They don't have a cornerback as of right now that you feel comfortable with starting in 2018. And then you also have a strong safety position where Marcus Gilchrist was the best safety that they put out there. And he was, you know, extremely terrible the entire year as well, too. And in offensive line, there's a, a lot more guys leaving than the secondary is. But, again, it was kind of – it was poor uh, performance last year. They were mediocre in 2016. Uh, they were a disaster in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I'd like to point out, you know, the, the argument about, you know, Deshaun Watson being able to cover up the, the – terribleness of the offensive line. I think it's half true, but the other half of it is, is our run game suffers because of it. And it's, it's, you know, I go back to the argument again, I'd rather have a good offensive line than a good running back. And I, I think it just has to be addressed. Yeah, sure. And, sure. and I just, just, I just want to make sure that what I said there was in the proper context. I'm just saying I'm putting offensive line at one, a only because you have that little bit of help where Watson can help mask it. I'm not saying at all that it means that they shouldn't concentrate on it or they shouldn't pour enormous resources into it. I'm just saying that it's sort of like they're both terrible. The tiebreaker to me is, well, at least you have a quarterback who can help to mask it. But when I say help to mask it, I just mean in a worst case scenario, you at least have that. It, it to me, it's, it, 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 I just put it a, a fingernail below fixing the back of the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't think you put it in great context. It's, it's the argument that I've seen is that, Oh, well we have Watson, so we don't need a left tackle type stuff. Yes. No, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> and it's also a little bit easier to scrap together uh, offensive line than a defensive backfield. Um, I think it's part of the equation, too. So they're, the cuts that Houston can make is what we're assuming is that first off they're going to you know cut the guys that they want to cut and know exactly how much money they have available for whenever free agency starts on the 14th. And the potential cuts they have this offseason are Kareem Jackson. They save $6.75 million. Jeff Allen, $4.875 million. Lamar Miller, $4.75 million. Derek Newton, who I haven't heard anything from at all aside from uh, a tweet where he told Brandon Brooks he's very happy for him and you know, brought a tear to my eye. Uh, they would save $2 million by cutting him. And Ryan Griffin, they would save $2.468 million by cutting him. Uh, and then they also you know, cut Brian Cushing to, to get their total to $63 million. Now, I know it really hurts your feelings, Dahar Chris, when Cushing was cut. Uh, would you have made that decision this offseason season? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, joking aside, I, I, yeah, I, I was a pretty big fan of Cushing, but after that second PED suspension, 
that was the end for me, especially when uh, he had the weak-ass defense that he came up with months and months later. I mean, just quick sidebar. If you want people to believe your BS story about why you took PEDs for the second time, or I should say why you got caught for PEDs for the second time, maybe trot it out when it happens, not when you have 10, 12, 15, however many weeks it was, 10 weeks to come up with something and then tag it on at the end there. And then to use something like mental illness as, ugh, I just – I have to allow for the possibility, <laughs> the point oh 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 one percent possibility that he's telling the truth there. But uh, you know, a better chance of getting struck by lightning while winning the lottery. So uh, you know, I, that that just really really rubbed me the wrong way. And you know, I guess another quick sidebar, it, it also sort of rubbed me the wrong way the way the the organization, you know, marched up and down the halls and the streets of Houston with their big parade for him when he was released about, you know, kind of just, it seemed like a, a surefire hall of famer with 10 Super Bowl rings had just been, had just been released. That just, that's really put a bad taste in my mouth, but yeah, absolutely. I would have cut Brian Cushing. What about the rest of these guys? Is there anybody else on this list that you would cut? Or I know there's some other guys they can cut, save, you know, some spare change, but uh, what, what cuts did you make if you were Brian Gaines this off season? Um, if I, I'll take that one first, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say. Like, like, I, I, I threw out pretty early about cutting Lamar Miller, um, I, you know. But the problem is they're low on draft picks. Um, if they could pick up a guy uh, for cheap, that could be a good complement to uh, Foreman. Then, then great. Like pick up a guy, I guess, you know, maybe in free agency or late in the draft. But I mean, the draft picks are going to be such a premium. They're going to have to get starters with those draft picks. So, I, I, I sort of hesitate to say they should cut Miller. But he's, he, even though he's not what we were hoping he would be, which a lot of that is caused by, of course, how O'Brien has used him. So I'm sort of on the fence about Miller, probably leaning slightly towards cutting him. Um, <laughs> Jeff Allen, I mean, this is the thing with the offensive line. It's so bad, and the whole thing, the totality of it is so cripplingly terrible. But at the same time, how much, how much are you adding to your problems the more turnover you add to the offseason? So – I, I've heard some people say that Allen is, is uh, you know, better at, you know, better at tackle than he is at guard. So maybe they should try him there. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough for me not to say just to jettison that guy because he was part of such a horrible, horrible unit. Um, and man, it sure is depressing when you think about, we went from Glover Quinn to Ed Reed. We went from Brandon Brooks to Jeff Allen. Um, Kareem, I, I don't think he cut him. Um, but I really do wish they would think seriously about a position change. Newton, for only $2 million, I guess you got to hang on to him and see what you have if he comes back. Ryan Griffin and any other tight end, I don't even care how punitive the damage is on the salary cap. Cut all of them. The tight ends are so bad on this team. BFC, what would you do? Me, uh, are you waiting for me? Safe? Yeah, I'm waiting for you. What would you do? Yeah, I, yeah okay, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go through them the same way that, that uh, Dyer did, is that Kareem Jackson at $6.75 million, here's my thought, and, and, and Chris nailed it. Look, if we're either going to be serious about playing him in the position that fits him at this point of his career, if they're going to move him to strong safety like they should, then I would pay him, I would experiment with that 6.75 and say, show me what you got. I would be willing to do that. If the plan is Kareem Jackson, the cornerback, Dag Nabbit, and that's it, then he, he should be gone because that's not a position he can play anymore. So that's what that logic comes down to for me. Jeff Allen, I would I'll say flat out, Jeff Allen played some good ball at left tackle. 
I would have no problem keeping him at that salary level uh, because we have $63 million in cap space right now. That, that $5 million of saving is not really going to help us all that much. It really just isn't. So it's, I would be willing to say, hey, Jeff Allen, you can be our swing tackle. You can fill in at guard. You're just going to be kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but you ain't starting. Um, Lamar Miller, it, it, it once again, and Chris once again nailed it. We have been misusing Lamar Miller since the day he walked in here. So if either you reuse him the right way or cut him, it's the same thing with Green Jackets. Use him how he's meant to be played. Look, you can talk, you can you can make the the argument. Lamar Miller, he's about the same size as all these other guys who who run this type of power scheme. But when Lamar Miller has been running like he has for 25 years or whatever, he's going to be used to one way of running, and that's not how we use him. Uh, Derek Newton. I would just do an injury settlement and and get him onto the team in a in a front office front office position, whatever he can do. Um, you know, again, two million is not going to kill us or anything. But I would, I think it's this point. You know, it would be great to make a gesture to him. Ryan Griffin, I agree with with Chris. Who cares? Um, we can go out and get guys off the street who are better. Matt. Yeah, uh, I have a quick question. Who who is the worst tight end resigning? Ryan Griffin or Garrett Graham? Garrett Graham. Uh, Garrett Graham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's it was stupid the time it happened. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and the Griffin's resign was very stupid last year, too. They're both about the the same. The Ryan Griffin's a better pass catcher, but they're both two like the worst blockers I've ever seen. And, yeah, I, really, I mean, I really don't have much to say different than you guys. I think for sure needs to play strong safety. I've been watching some Zach Cunningham video recently and going back and watching this defense. And it's amazing, one, how good a run is, and two, like how bad Craig Jackson is at turning his head and playing the football. And he just doesn't have the – Still. Yeah, and like I think his problem is that he never has had very good footwork at all. But he had the athleticism to play, you know. But now he doesn't have that same athleticism and his feet are just – so unbelievably bad. He doesn't know how to play the football, and I think, he, I think New England. He should go to New England for a year to study abroad and learn how to play the ball in the ball in the air, and then come back to Houston after that. Um, Jeff, like you mentioned, BFC, he was a fine left tackle last year. I would still come to say five million dollars because you could get, you know, for a little bit more than that, you can get a potential you know, starting guard. Uh, you can get a potential maybe get tackle. You're going to pay more than that, but that's five you can go. You know, big way to getting another left tackle, right tackle for this team, and he's also so bad at guard, also where he is just so weak, hit bad feet, lady, he's slow, and also who knows what type of shape he's going to be in whenever you know football starts back up again this year, uh, because he's just been you know, bad in the last two years, and there's really nothing salvage. Well, I guess he maybe salvage something, but he isn't worth a he's isn't worth a five million savings you can give him otherwise. Uh, I really agree with you guys when it comes to Miller. I think if you ask Bill O'Brien, what is your plan to, to make him good because he's very bad? And if he has some sort of plan to make him good and you agree with it, you think they may work out and keep him. If not, you come and get rid of him. Well, we have Deontay Foreman, who looks like a potential running back one. We have Tyler Irvin, who can you know, catch the ball in the back. Maybe one other thing. Uh, he can catch the kick off in the face. And then you say, well, there's always backs available, either in the middle of the draft or a little bit later in the draft. Or also for, you know, cheap and uh, free agents, well, 
involved, and you know, Miller isn't worth being, you know, the 20th most efficient running back in football or the contract he has. And I don't know anything about Derek Newton's health, but I would try to move the guard and see, move him from like a, a less mobile position that tackle is. From the guard, he can be really strong. I doesn't have to deal with Miller at all ever again. And, and if they ever play Denver again, just lock him in the closet and him out. And Ryan's different for for sure. And, you know, all the, all the cuts come out to around, like, you know, 15 or 15 you know, extra million dollars, which is enough to, you know, get a top one or two stars for this team. And that's a lot better than, you know, Jeff Allen hanging around or being underused or, you know, Ryan Griffin being on the field and all a potential. There's, there's chances to even have more money kind of be able to be in that, like, San Francisco range. Do, uh, do either of y'all before talk about potential free agency anything else to add about cuts at all? I, I've gone on quite a bit about potential free agents, so I'm going to hand this one over to Chris. Okay. Are we talking before, about re-signing our own, or are we talking about yeah. going into the actual – Oh, go, go ahead, Matt, sorry. Yeah, so if you all have anything to say about cuts, uh, I, I, like I, I think you probably have about, you know, I think it's cut two of these guys, and they have around – Sixty million or so this off season. Uh, what about you? How much money do you think them will actually have this off season after they finish making their? Yeah, I mean, I, I figure at least a couple of these guys will be will be cut on, on these potentials that you have out there. So, uh, I mean, I think that entire list is what about another about another twenty mil. Um, so you know, you figure. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell looking at that list who who would be the most likely ones because uh, I, I feel like O'Brien and the team value Miller a lot more than than the way the fans look at it. So I think he'll probably stay. Um, Kareem, I doubt goes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I could I could certainly see them moving on from Newton. And I mean, I, I don't know. Just so many of these guys just are guys that that the that the coaches seem to love so much um, that all of us would just you know we wouldn't even sneeze if they got rid of. So. I don't know. We, we, I figure we'll probably top around around 65, 68 by the time it's all said and done. And, and then, so, yeah, so I, I guess it's also new general managers will do it. Maybe your game will actually have a, a good set of someone to clean house some and, and get that alignment straight. You know, the potential free agent Houston has this offseason, these guys who are unrestricted free agents, is uh, John Joseph, Marcus Gill, Chris, Chris Clark, Brendan Giacchini, Xavier Suofrito, Shane Leckler, Andre Ellington, Eddie Pleasant, TJ Yates, Tom Savage, Alpha Blue, Greg, Greg Manx, Corey Moore. Uh, BFD, would you use the franchise And also, which guys would you resign that are about to hit free agency that Houston have here? There's not a single player on this list that I would use the franchise tag on, so I'll be clear. But I would be very, very happy to give Greg, Greg Manx a little love and a, a nice contract and give him a home. He's shown he can play both above average center and guard. He's valuable in today's NFL. I would definitely give him a, a nice home. Andre Ellington is very intriguing. He definitely gives you a different kind of weapon from the slot position. He's another guy I'd say, you know, let's give him a, a veteran contract with some guarantees and make him stay or, you know, hang around. Every other one of these guys, unless Joseph wants to sign for a one-year team-friendly deal, I, I think, you know, I, I think they're all gone. I, I have no 
attachment to any of them as football players. Chris? Yeah, I mean, okay, just just for clarity's sake, you have Andre Ellington on the list here. Um, is Bruce Ellington also a free agent? I believe uh, so. I check real fast. Yeah, I think they probably both are for sure. For sure, Andre is the running back. But I, I, I would I would look at, at at hanging on to Bruce Ellington if he is in fact a free agent, which I do think he is. Um, uh, you know, I would obviously yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't pay a ton for him. But he had seemed to have pretty damn good chemistry with Watson. So. Uh, I wouldn't mind taking a swing at, at hanging on to him. And again, uh, my opinions on on these on a lot of these lists are so affected by our drafts. I mean, with a full draft complement, um, I, I, I might be saying, hey, you know, maybe we should look at a receiver, you know, at this X point in the draft or whatever. But since we have got to get starters on defense and on the offensive line with those first handful of picks, um, I'm I'm sort of adjusting what my probably what my normal thoughts would be in here. So I would, I would try to at least hang on to Bruce Ellington for something that's uh, fair that keeps him around for a year or two. Um, J. Joe, like BFD said, if it's, a, if it's a team-friendly deal, sure. I mean, that veteran leadership, that's sort of a cliche, but he also is playing pretty well for his age. Um, but it also just seems very tenuous. Like at any second now, he could, you know, snap an ACL and that's it for him because, because of his advanced age. Um, the rest of these guys, I mean, people swear up and down that uh, Alfred Blue is a good special teamer, and I, and I guess he is, but that's not a guy. I mean, especially you don't you don't you don't re-sign good special teamers generally. You find those guys and then they move on. Uh, but yeah, Greg Manx for sure. Manx um, has shown an ability to play um, multiple positions, and like BFG says, he has he has a lot of value in the NFL right now. So uh, I would for sure try to hang on to him. Um, I, I just don't know what they're looking at as far as depth goes in the safety position. So, uh, but yeah, first thoughts off the top of my head, Gilchrist would be gone. Corey Moore would for sure be gone. The quarterback better be gone. Um, I could see them trying to keep Eddie Pleasant around, believe it or not. I think the team loves that guy, but I, I certainly don't have any, um, any attachment to him. Um, Chris Clark. So, Last year, I think my, my, my thoughts on Chris Clark were if he is only a swing tackle, then fine. If he's just depth, fine. Now I want him excoriated from the universe of the Houston Texans. I want him gone. <laughs> Breno, Giacomini, Breno Giacomini better also be gone. The dream scenario actually is what I think uh, uh, one of you just said a minute ago where, where like a dream scenario would be where Jeff Allen is kind of a backup or a swing guy, but obviously that's not going to happen. He makes too much money for that. That just doesn't happen in the NFL, but that would be a dream scenario. I would certainly hang on to Jeff Allen if he was uh, for sure going to be a backup. But um, it just sort of – actually, just one quick sidebar. It, and I know this is not breaking news to either one of you guys, especially you, BFT, because I know you're not a big Bill O'Brien fan. But it just, it just disturbs me how much we have to talk about guys who seem like they're either being misused or they're being played out of position or someone's not taking the initiative to take one of these guys and move them to a position where they'd be more effective. That just mm-hmm. – that's just not a good sign to me. So. Yeah, that, that just, yeah. yeah, when you start charting out quarterbacks like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and that's my guy and then training for Brock <laughs> Osweiler, and we don't know the backstories behind any of this, but that's, that's like just bad decision genes all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, – yeah, I mean, it was too for me. I, the funny thing here is Eddie Pleasant to me, because I always forget this. He was on Houston's roster, like, and played a little bit going back to 2011. He's been for forever. 
and he keeps hanging yep. around. And he get, keep using him in different ways, like play like nickel linebacker whenever, you know, when it, back whenever Coach McKinney at linebacker in uh, 2015, they had him play nickel so they could be a little bit faster there. And he just keeps popping up here and there, and it's always fun. Uh, Greg Manx is the best player here. I think he is good enough to be a starting center in any offense, and he is a good zone block right guard. But again, I don't even know exactly what their scheme would be. But if I was a different team, I would for sure take a look at him at trying to poach him to be their their starting center. And with Houston, they already have Nick Martin, and Manx probably won't be used there. But it's always good to have a backup with the Martin's injury history. And then if you don't, I don't. If you want to start makes a guard, like he's fine. I have him there, but his ability to center as well too is what I think gives him more value for Houston because he has a little bit of size to just play you know that strip guard position, especially in like you know more interior power plays. Uh, the rest of these guys can pretty much go you know for me. I, the thing about Jonathan Joseph is he's he's already starting to lose it where he was have short passes, but was awful against deep passes. And whenever you don't even know who you're he's going to be a cornerback like that with his you know liability against the deep ball isn't really something that I don't think Houston can keep around with the way their secondary is composed and I I still can't believe Josh and he played 100% of the offensive snaps I think if you would be possible to come back I think he's a good enough run blocker he can move first level really well you know he's always going to be where he is because whenever he's bad and everybody sees the list it's always easy to see that you're not going to see him in the line of scrimmage, unless you're sitting there, you know, watching uh, all the behind you and everything that you can. But he's always going to be a disappointment because of one where he was to do, like, he never learned how to punch and grab the chest with his hands and stick on the second level. And if he could do that, he could be, like, a really good run blocker instead of somebody who's good enough at the first level. So, uh, I really, I mean, Manx would be the one guy I want to see here, but I could see him getting, like, a pretty good deal from another team. I think he's probably going to be too expensive for Houston to be able to keep. But uh, and knowing Houston, too, like I, I think Joseph is the guy who – well, Shane Leckler for sure is going to resign. Her. And I think because the tax payers and uh, Joseph, I think, is a good time because of their leadership. But I, I wouldn't do it if it was up to me, though. Do you think Shane Leckler is going to be here again next year? Chris? Oh. Sorry, um, yeah, sorry, you cut out there a little bit, Matt. You, you asked about Leckler? Yeah, do you think he's going to be here again next year? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think Leckler will be back. Everybody loves that dude. Like, that's just one of those guys where I feel like they're they're just going to bend over backwards and bring him back, and he'll probably, he'll probably cut him a, at least a little bit of a discount to stick around. Um, I, I think BFD had seen you railing on, on Leckler I don't know if it was this year or the year before last, but I, 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 don't, I didn't think he was as terrible as BFD thought he was. Um, but I can't remember if, if your criticism was more last year, or, or I guess I should say two seasons ago, or this most recent season. So, but I mean, obviously he's not so not close to his dominant self in the past. So if they have a, a young guy they have their eye on, I, I would certainly, uh, and I would not have any uh, qualms with them moving on. Yeah, well, part of it for me is that you know, it's, there are there have been a couple of variables that have not changed with their special teams play. And then for a couple of years, it was Nick Novak that changed last year, obviously. And another big one is Shane Leckler. And you got to figure that your punter is a pretty important part of your success as a punt unit. And our punting team, is, we, we all know what a nightmare special teams units are. It doesn't matter which one, you know, punt return, mm-hmm. 
punt kick. They all suck. And so it's like there has to be a part of that. So is Shane Leckler a part of that? And I think he he has to be de facto. So it's it, it you know we we've you know looked at the where he outkicks coverage. You know is that his fault? Is that coverage team? He kicks the ball to the wrong side of the field where the coverage is coming from. You see those types of errors, and so he had to me he has to be part of that problem. He is one of the variables that has not changed. So it's not a matter of hating on Shane Leckler. It's a matter of hating on a crappy special teams unit that year in, year out is terrible, and he's been a fixture. And, I mean, you know me. Like, I, I always talk about how much I, for years now, my disdain for kickers. Punters, actually, I, I don't have nearly as big of a problem with. I, I think, you know, a punter is uh, – the combination of a great defense and a great punter is a seriously dangerous weapon to have in the NFL, especially the guys that can pull off the corner kicks and, you know, keep them inside the 10 and the 5. So I mean I, I I'm even fine with them spending a little bit if they could find a guy that they that that's you know that's more of a sure thing. So, um, but you know who knows how much longer uh, Leckler has. He 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 was certainly I wouldn't say he was consistent last year. That's 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 for sure. But for the money he's going to command, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I would take a hard look at at a young replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and we got know. we got three third round picks to to, to take a punter, man. That's that's fine territory. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody likes him he's, he's fun to be around and that's why they talk to him better than he is but I know last year for example the Accordant Football Outsiders the Texans lost uh, 10 points because of their team they lost from that much the year before they've always been you know, around one of the worst teams in football since he's been the punter whether it's the punter itself or the coverage I'm sure both I can't tell how much of it it is, but Leckler is an enormous player that's been bad every single time he's been the punter here. And then also a lot of people will point to stats like, well, you know, total yardage or you know, net punts or a number of punts inside the 20. Houston leads the league in punts, uh, led the league in punts this year. Uh, they won the top punting team, number of punts they had the year before. They had a lot of punts here before. That. And again, just because you do something a lot to mean that you're uh, any good at all. Leckler is uh, is predominantly the guy who, who uh, suffers from that. Uh, so Chris, in free agency with the amount of money Houston has, you know whether it's from between you know, to seventy million, uh, the cuts that they have, how would you go about attacking it? Are you invest heavily in the offensive line and just try to fix these needs that you have. You go in on some big free agents and try to add you know the big stars and big talent immediately, or kind of go more of a, a you kind of spread it around all throughout the offense and try to get. Four million guys, five million dollars guys, rather than try and get these, you know, twelve million dollars signings. Uh, what would be your strategy for free agents this year? Man, this this draft, this this I'm sorry, this free agent class. I'm not I'm not super excited about it. Um, I really, man, it, it's 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 gonna it'd be tough for me to to be okay with the amount of overspending you'd have to do to get a Norwell. But at the end of the day, if they decide that guy can do the things that they need him or that they need for him, if they decide he's the guy that can do the things they want him to do, <laughs> easy for me to say, then, I mean, I guess I have to be on board for that. I just, a, a massive contract for a guard. I, I'm a little sketchy, but I mean, we have such a bad need there. Um, so I, I wouldn't be against Norwell. I'd like to see the numbers, but I know the number is going to be insane. I, I'm I'm not real excited about Nate Solder as a tackle. 
Um, if that was a, a decent deal, then again, I'd be okay with it. But I, I mean, the offensive linemen are going to get paid in this in this free agency class, but it has to be addressed. Again, the wild card is we have no idea what we have in Brian Gain as a general manager. You can get starters, uh, you can get rookie starters uh, as offensive linemen in the mid rounds, in the third round. Um, I mean, it's not certainly not a lock, but it can be done. I think I think we I think Brian Gain, in all fairness, would have to be a above average to plus general manager to come in in his first season as a general manager and get, say, two starters, two actual worthy starters, not just two guys that they start and are terrible, but two guys who are actually worthy of being starters and plug them straight into that offensive line. So I don't know, but I do, I, I do have a couple of guys that I, I sort of have tabbed, and I'm gonna get, I want to get y'all's opinion on at least one of them here. So all the cornerback talk is about Tremaine Johnson and Malcolm Butler and, you know, obviously Johnson's going to come at a huge cost. Butler, I, I don't think any of us are real excited about that for the amount of money he's going to cost. What do you guys think of the third corner in Jacksonville, Colvin? Pat? Well, when it comes to Colvin, it's one of those things like everybody else around him was good. Like, you know, with Boy and with Ramsey – I think Gibson is a little bit overrated, but Barry Church is pretty good at uh, a lot of different things. Like he's pretty good at stopping run. He's pretty good in coverage. He's pretty good at breaking the ball. He's pretty good at everything. And so Colvin was the you know, slot uh, there. And, you know, I think he was fine. I think a lot of it, though, is he's going against, you know, the third best receiver. He's playing in the short field. Um, I I just don't know. I think he's going to pay a good amount. I think he's going to pay because of, you know, the situation he was in more than, like, his talent. I'd be, I'd be wary of him because of that. I think he's going to pay more than he should. But if you well, want to bring him in, you know, as a nickel corner, that would be the worst thing there. But uh, I, I would kind of stay away just because I think his performance was more indicative of mm-hmm. how good Jackson's pass defense was than Colvin was last year. Okay. And and I also, you know, I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see Sitton get cut by the Bears. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have been. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, he – it's one of those things where we have to be honest with ourselves. Yes, we may overpay, but literally no matter what we get out of free agency, it's going to be an improvement on what we had. If not, then we have an even bigger problem uh, than we already have. So there, you know, any of these guys sitting obviously would be, would be a massive upgrade. Norwell would be the, a huge upgrade, but man, for the amount of money, I, I really hope gain has some magic in those mid rounds of the draft. The other name I want to throw out there, that I think is a little bit under the radar right now is I read that um, the Eagles are not expected to re-sign um, their tight end, Trey Burton. And I think that dude could be um, kind of a diamond in the rough. He's been playing behind some pretty good uh, tight ends there in uh, Ertz and Selleck. In the last two years, like I actually, you guys, I actually did two minutes of research for the show. What do you think about that? So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> In the last two seasons, um, I guess since uh, since the, since Doug Peterson arrived, despite playing behind those two guys, he's hauled in uh, about 60 catches, and he's had a lot of uh, a good output in the red zone as well. He's and he's you know he's one of these guys who's also an elite athlete. So, uh, considering our tight end position right now, I, I would I would throw money at that guy. I think he could be a, a difference maker and a playmaker to pair with to pair with Deshaun and be the immediate starter. And then they can just worry about, you know, Griffin and or Fedorowicz says, you know, put them at the back of the bench where they belong and, you know, bring in another guy off the street. And, you know, who knows, maybe Steven Anderson will 
jump up a little bit. But I, I'm I'm actually pretty big on this Trey Burton guy from Philly. I think he's a name to watch. I'll take this one. Uh, I, I am a big fan of Trey Burton. Uh, I would lo- absolutely love to have him on the team. And yeah, what I'm seeing, I'm seeing the same thing if the Eagles aren't going to resign him. I think the big problem might be with him. I think dude's going to get paid. I think he's going to get seriously paid um, because he is a great athlete. He's going to be a downfield threat. He's going to be a very good football player for somebody. Um, if, if he's one of our targets, then I'm all for it. Yeah, he's a pretty good blocker, too, and he also had that really great downfield catch against the Vikings in the NFC style game. The other one that I remember watching, I believe against Washington, <laughs> that went through, like, any, down, any, like, time that you have, you can stretch the middle of the field is important. I do not, like, I think Steven Anderson's a fine second tight end just from a perspective. He can't block at all. Maybe eventually he can. He's the first time in the roster, and Having two tight ends who can catch a pass is a good thing. And it's good to have tight ends in the field who aren't, you know, Ryan Griffin, CJ Fedorowicz as well. So I would like that, uh, a second tight end too. The tight end, I, I also like Austin Jenkins as well. And I know everybody's naming Tyler Eifert too, just from a, a red zone perspective, where, you know, the Houston throw a lot of touchdown passes from really far out, but, you know, the shorter touchdowns are, are more difficult to get. But, I would I would also like to see Safarian Jenkins kind of more of a, a second tier sort of guy. Uh, what about UBFD? How would you go about attacking this free agency? Would you try to go out and get some big names or kind of more spread it out, make some more moderate signings that, are, that have less risk involved? No, I, I have to admit that I've got a couple of guys, you know, I've talked about them, a couple of guys I would just back up the truck for. Let's just get it done. I want to improve my team. I need to. I need to catch up with the with the glitter kitties from a talent perspective. I, I want to compete. I feel like my window might be closing a little bit here. I've got JJ Watt, Merciless, getting older. My cornerbacks are beat up and old. I, I feel like I have to go do something. So uh, I would give Andrew Norwell. I'd give him all the money. Um, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Uh, one other guy I like. Um, bringing in, and, and this is going to be kind of a weird name, and I don't know if we can afford him, but is Sheldon Richardson. I would like to bring him in, put him at defensive end opposite of J.J. Watt, and put uh, keep D.J. Reader in the middle. I think that would be a pretty awesome combination, but I've also been yammering about Sheldon Richardson for a couple of years and putting him opposite of J.J. Watt, so what the hell do I know? Uh, I think E.J. Gaines, he's got a lot of injury problems. He's probably the guy, if I'm going to say I'm going to pay a cornerback money, then he's the guy I'm going to go for. But, of course, I've talked about uh, a couple other guys. I think uh, I didn't chime in on Colvin. I think Colvin's fine. I think he would be a solid signing, not maybe, you know, fantastic. But I think he'd at least be a a tremendous improvement over our current situation in the slot corner. Um, I'm thinking I've got a lot of money that I can spend, and there are a few names that are pretty attractive on here. And I'm hoping that people are going to kind of be distracted by some of the, the, the glitter that's out there. And so I think I would take a, a couple of shots at, at signing a big name and just just saying, look, screw it. We're going to do it. we got the cap space. We can clear cap space if we need to. Let's dive in this year. Because the the other option normally to improve your team in the offseason is the draft. And considering we don't have a pick until the third round, we I feel like we're also kind of behind an eight ball and catching up from a talent perspective. So I would I would probably be the drunken sailor spending money GM this offseason, Matt. Okay. 
Yeah, and I think that's where Houston's going to lean to compare like what you would do versus what I think is going to happen because they made they made the the trades that they made. I think partly in the fact that they realized how much cap space they had next year to go out and improve the roster, and so they said, well, we can you know dump uh, Namer down, we can you know, trade up and get a quarterback because we need one, but also we have so much cap space next year to improve the roster, and then you know, they also added some graphics because they lost a very good player and you trade trade join Brown as well. But I'm kind of more in the way where I think it'd be like that to be, I'm kind of like try to get more starters on this team more than you kind of go all in immediately. Because I think this team already has like a lot of top 10, you know, as far as things are, are healthy and kind of for depth from there. You have a lot, you have Clowney, you have Merciless, you have McKinney, your leader, uh, secondary is pretty empty, but you assume that maybe Kevin Johnson could be better. Uh, offensively, of Hopkins and Watson and Fuller, and you know, running backs you can always kind of get. And so I think it's more important to just kind of get as many starters as you can, you know, from there and try filling filling after that. Uh, I cornerback I, I like Kyle Fuller. I think he's going to kind of like he'll be like the second tier sort of guy as far as free agent quarterbacks go. And he's a he's a playmaker. He can really, you know, some turnovers and that sort of thing. I, offensive line, I wouldn't go all in and well at all. I think there's enough holes where you can get, you know, potentially starters uh, that you need on offensive line rather than paying, you know, for about the price that you can pay for well to begin with as well too. And also in the offensive, offensive line, when you have this third round to have, uh, you should be able to get one of the better guards available from that position as well. So I'm kind of going along the lines of you know, get as many stars as you can, get back in the pass rusher because you can never have it for them. Get another wide receiver if you don't side out Ellington. Uh, fill up in the secondary with, you know, as many stars as you can after you move up move from Jackson just because there are you know, at least six potential starters that can be added to the roster. In free agency alone, if you go all in on one or two guys, you're going to have uh, – you already have a depth issue, and you can even exasperate any more if you go all in on uncertain guys. And also usually in football – that we see the teams that win the all season all in free agency, a lot of these contracts end up being bad contracts and don't work out, and kind of those smaller, smaller ones that end up working out better anyways as well too. Yeah, so uh, I would like to kind of talk about that a little bit. Is that the difference I think is is that we got so much cap space that we can be a little spending happy this offseason. I'm not saying go spend money on Jarvis Landry. No, nuts to that. We don't need Kirk Cousins. We're not going to be competitive for Demarcus Lawrence or those types of guys. But that we can go out and make some good improvements by getting some stars and then backfilling with a couple of five, six million dollar a year guys. I mean Norwell's going to command what, nine million a year? We still have he'll, he'll fifty five million uh, after that. I think he'll get twelve or thirteen probably this year. Twelve or thirteen? Also so then we still have fifty million to go get to go play with. So I think we can make a couple of those signings, and Norwell is 26. He's gonna he's going to provide value throughout the life of that contract. So it's it's you know as, as a guard, you know, with the caveat that he's an offensive lineman. So I think you can go out, you can find those younger guys. Um, Trey Burton's 26. He's got a good solid four or five years ahead of him. He's somebody you can throw some money at. Um, uh, uh, God, Big Matt, who's the guy who uh, Cameron Fleming from the Patriots, offensive lineman. If you think Julian Davenport's ready to play left tackle for your Houston Texans, you can sign Fleming to play right tackle. He's going to be four or five million dollar a year guy. So I think you can you can sign a couple of the big ones and still 
assign a couple other starters to get that five or six you want. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd rather have like six slightly better starters than you know two big guys and go from there. And I don't think Burnley cost that much here. I think Fleming was going to cost that much either. I assume that I assume Stoller is going to stay in England. Uh, Fleming, I don't know, but I I think Fleming could get he had for not like you know ten million dollars a year. Or so I think that's kind of also, I think it's a better way to do it. Initially, like last time, Houston had a bunch of cap. They got all Miller and Allen, and they had plenty of cap space that I could go in and all those guys' deployment. So even though all this uh, seems great right now, seems like yeah, we're adding top talent seems to be better. Most of these contracts don't work unless you you. It's kind of like a more of a slam dunk sort of thing. So uh, you disagree on that? There we had. Uh, two uh, rear questions that go along with free agency. Uh, my first one for you, Chris, involving the quarterback back position. This question is from Tickwolf. He asked, how did the backup quarterback position and uh, who's the most real? We already talked about tight. I guess, what would you do about the backup quarterback position, Chris? Boy, you know, I, this is, I know it's a pipe dream, but, you know, I, I, I think Tyrod Taylor thinks he's going to be a starter. But I don't think anyone's going to give him uh, a deal to be a starter. Um, I, I, I know it seems like I'm just sort of overreacting to a trend that the Eagles might have just started by, you know, pouring a lot of money into the backup quarterback. But it really doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, we just I, – I, I feel great about Watson. I don't have any reason to believe that he's going to be injury prone. But at the same time, I feel like with him, you know, looking like a top-flight quarterback and the fact that we have a couple of guys who are uh, probably – going into their in their prime slash going into their prime like Clowney and Hopkins um, and Watt who probably sadly is beyond his prime I mean I, I just I just to have that position completely sewn up after so many years of uncertainty that would be the dream now I don't know how that's that's probably not very realistic but um, I'm, I'm not I'm not real excited about a lot of the other names out there I just I just really hope it's a guy who can who can run this the system that Watson does. I've heard a lot of backlash now going the other way saying, well, you know, you don't have to have a guy who runs the same type of offense, just has to be a competent quarterback. And even a little bit of speculation about Savage coming back, which is completely ludicrous. <laughs> so uh, Tyrod Taylor would be my absolute dream um, scenario there, especially since again, like we're talking about, there is money to be spent this year. Um, so if you could get him on board with that, then uh, I would do it. Also, I'll just I'll just throw something crazy at you. I'll just uh, I'll throw something insane out there. What what if Lamar Jackson is there in the do third it. round? Oh, you stole my material, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Right. That's my answer. So so I'll, I'll yeah I'll, I'll take your I'll take your hand off right there. I'll take your segue. Um, yeah, and that was the guy who I was going to talk about was Lamar Jackson because I think to get I, let me just be upfront and frank that I don't think he if he gets past the first round and and I haven't haven't started watching all my tape yet on on quarterbacks I hope to do a, a special preview of quarterbacks before the draft, Durger willing with all the work I'm drowning under right now, um, Baker Mayfield again I think he's I think he's the the dude, um, but I look at Lamar, Lamar Jackson I think he is a perfect backup for a guy like Deshaun Watson because they run kind of the same system they can run the same system, um, <clears throat> I I am a very very firm believer that you should have a quarterback who has tendencies a backup quarterback who has tendencies like your starting quarterback, 
because you want your team to be consistent on the play calling that you don't have to all of a sudden have this massive change in the playbook. And let me just throw this out as an example. Changing the playbook from Tom Savage to the Sean Watson back to Tom Savage. It's, you know, again, that's a glaring example of it. But if you have Tom Savage backing up Watson, why don't you just go out and sign a fire hydrant? Because it's the same dadgum thing. So it's, it doesn't make any sense. Keep that dynamicism in the game rather than throwing that trash. So I'm going to throw a name out here, and I'm going to hand this off to, after, to, to Big Matt after I say this name, a guy I wouldn't mind going out and getting because I don't think he's going to get a big contract, Eddie Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that just makes me so sad, though. Like if Bridgewater has to, <laughs> you know, suck it up and be the backup back. Like if I was GM Houston – even though I, I think he would make my team better as a backup quarterback, I still wouldn't do it because I would want him to be in a, in a better situation where he could actually start because he's the, he's the greatest player of all time. But I think Bridgewater would be the first as being a backup quarterback, and I think he'd do some more things to watch off the nice dynamic. But I think he like he's a great touch pass, really good pocket. Um, he just doesn't have like, the same athleticism. Plus, his, his entire leg explodes too, and so even though he was the fastest guy to begin with, I think that's really gonna you know change as well there. But I think he'd be perfect. I, I like Taylor as well, but I, it's kind of the same thing. Like I want, I'd like to see Taylor start somewhere in the league, and the Bulls aren't gonna release him; they're gonna try to trade him. And if you trade for Taylor, you know you have to give a pick, and you have to take on eight million dollars in salary. Something that's really worth doing. He's gonna be an actual starter for you, but Buffalo, you know, kind of panics and release him and you can get Taylor for a year or whatever, I think that'd be you know, a great situation as well, too. And the, the Jackson thing is interesting to me as well, mainly because you take him, you have him teach, and you, you know, learn. You have specific plays and packages from – I mean, you can run through. You have Watson and Jackson on the field at the same time because the nucleus in football is throwing the ball back to your quarterback. And so why not you know, the shot on Watson's pass to you know, Jackson and vice versa? And whenever the kind of like – veteran, backup quarterback, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, here. I know he can't do the same thing at all as Watson at all, uh, but I think if you wanted a guy for you know, cheap and be that veteran presence and whatever, I think Matt Moore would be good. I think he was he should have started in Miami, not you know, Jay Cutler. Uh, he stinks and I hate him, but I think Moore should have started this year, and he was you know pretty good in Miami the year before that. He's you know 33, and if you if you need somebody to start a game or two, uh, your offense is no longer like the 32nd worst offense. You're probably at like you know 20th, which is a, a big difference as far as your backup quarterback goes. And so help me God. Yeah, I mean, I, the I, fact. I, sorry, BFT. Go ahead, Chris. I was just gonna say, uh, so help me God, if if the fact that the Vikings appear to be moving on from Case Keenum results in the sequel to Keenum Mania and people and people in Houston going crazy for Keenum and demanding they sign Keenum, I, I just I'm, – I'm, I might do something drastic live on Battle Red Radio. Oh, sweet. Okay. Go, Team Keenum! <laughs> and it's gonna I mean, obviously, if you, were, if you were affordable as a backup, you do that in a second, but obviously that's not going to happen. I just, I just, I, I just know – like, I, I generally avoid the comment sections of everything on the Internet, and I just know that the clamoring at some point will begin – Oh no, people oh, yeah. are for Keenum to start, and the Texans should trade uh, Don Watson. Like that, that's going to happen, and it's going to happen. You hear pretty quickly if Keenum, you know, is a free agent. 
I know Minnesota's not going to franchise him, but that's going to re-sign necessarily. But yeah, you're going to see Houston should trade the shot on lots of sign Case Keenum for Michigan. Ugh. Yeah, I'm and he, he's going to go somewhere and throw more hot air balloons. Whee! Oh, that one has ice! Whee! <laughs> yeah. Uh, that... The whole quarterback situation is just so interesting for the entire NFL. And like, there's like 12 you know, possible starting quarterbacks uh, that can move or go someplace else, and including trades and free agency. And also you have what, maybe five, ga- five, five guys maybe selected in the first round this year. And you know, it's kind of funny. Like now Houston has a, has a quarterback here that, that the, they can stick behind the franchise. And now all of a sudden there's like 17 different quarterbacks available. And, you know, after tolling around for three previously. Um, so, Dr. Chris, are there any other guys that you're interested in other than Colvin uh, and Burden from Philadelphia? Oh, sure. I mean, like you mentioned, Fuller would be, I think, a solid a solid signing. Um, I, I'd, I'd kind of like to see – I'd have to refresh my memory and look and see what the what the running back free agent class looks like. But if you get one of those decent guys on the cheap uh, – I think you mentioned Crowell on the list you sent out. Um, uh, what's his name is taking uh, visits right now that got cut. Who uh, has played a lot of a lot of for a couple of teams in the AFC East. His name escapes me right now. Ivory. He's a, yeah, he's awful. <laughs> yeah, he's awful. He's he's out there. I mean, I I I just I, I mean I just going to really depend on on what these guys can get out of a late round running back. I mean, I don't see any reason why they can't have their backup uh, be. Uh, uh, a guy that they found in the sixth or the seventh round, or even undrafted free agent, it's happened before. This is all that, of course, is assuming that they cut Miller, which I, I don't think they will. But um, I mean, sure, like like BFD said, I'd I'd love it'd be great to spend the money when you have it, um, since we do have it. But there's also uh, we'll get into this in a, probably a little bit here in a minute. But um, similar to the Hopkins extension, you can carve out a little bit of that cap money for a you know front loaded portion of of Clowney's extension, not to get us, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but you know, you might want to earmark a little bit of that cap money to take care of that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, one thing I didn't hear from, from you, big Matt, who, who is your, not, not to be the guy asking the question here, but, but just, uh, is Fuller like your top guy as far as a corner goes in the, in the, in the free agent class? Because, um, I'm just assuming that you're out on Butler and Tremaine Johnson is going to be so expensive. I doubt you want anything to do with him either. I I think yeah he is the the guy I like the most because he can play man. I think it also depends like you Johnson would be like a really good you know, cover three defensive back, but that's what Mike Vrabel did. Now you have Romeo Cornell as a defensive corner, and he played a lot of man. He played a lot of cover one and cover two. I think that's where Fuller fits in better at man cornerback. Also, I just think you, you can get him for you know eight million dollars a year. You're gonna have to pay fifteen million, and I think that's a big difference between the two. So that's why. Number one guy in the secondary. Okay. Uh, and that, yeah, uh, there really isn't anybody. You know, it's pretty much Le'Veon Bell, and then nobody. Barnes available, but he's bad. Chris Ivory's available. He's terrible. Uh, the only running back I'd like is Chris as Rex Burkhead. You know, he kind of weird in New England because he was injured, but I think he'd be perfect. As Back, sort of guy who can do a lot of different things and would be, you know, I think if they cut Miller. The one problem Foreman has, if they want to use him as a running back, is he's very good 
catcher. Miller has been very good at catching passes on the backfield. I think Burkhead is a good team, so you need to have some sort of compliment uh, to go along with that. Now, in the NFL draft, he says three third-round picks. Uh, BFD, would you try to trade up to, into the second round or try to trade even to the first round, give up a draft pick for next year? Or you kind of try to put and try to use your you know, five third and fourth round to combine that you have to get as as you possibly can? I think he got muted or something. About you, oh, Chris? Did we lose you him? Try, yeah, would you? I think he's muted. Ah, try sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I think, once again, I'd be very aggressive this offseason if I can. And if you should always. I'm not a big fan of trading up, but if there's a guy you want, go get him. If there's a guy you think, hey, this could be a real deal maker, go get him. But you better be dead, I'm sure, that you're going to do it. One thing that Rick Smith has done drafting-wise is, is when he's not listening to to Son of Bomb, as he's been kind of no, that's not fair. That's not a fair assessment. I'll take that back. I'm gonna stop. Um, is what I would like us to, to do. What do I want us to do? I'm sitting here kind of babbling at this point. <laughs> if you see a guy, go get him, but make the right decisions, kind of thing. I don't mind so much that we've got three third round draft picks. But the thing is, and when we had Rick Smith around, that was like wasting three third-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. So it's it, we don't know what we've got, and that's the problem right now is we got we got this new toy, and we don't know what he's going to do. We have three third rounds, a four, three six, and a seven. Now, if I'm if that was Rick Smith, I would just be writing off this draft right now. <laughs> so we don't know what's going to happen. So let's I guess let's see what's what's going to happen, Chris. Yeah, I mean. My initial reaction to the thought of trading up is, well, if Brian Gain is going to be a good general manager, and obviously when he was in the room interviewing, he propped himself up, and I'm sure they had some data from the work he's done in other drafts to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to better his case for getting the job. We need numbers, man. We need bodies. We need, we need so many guys. So my, my initial reaction is just, hey, if you're as good as you say you are, get us, a couple of, get, get us two starters out of those three third-round picks that are actually worthy of being NFL starters. And we'll see what happens with the rest of them. You know, maybe you can get another, uh, another maybe you can get a slot corner. I, I don't know. Maybe, I, it, it's, it's a tall task for him. But like BFE said, if there is a guy that you're targeting and you're super hyped about that guy, yeah, you know, go ahead and go up and get him. I, I, I would hope that it doesn't end up costing us that second that we picked up for Dwayne Brown in 2019. But if it does, then it does. If it's the right guy and if he's an immediate plug-and-play starter, which we, won't, we, of course, won't know right away, then I, I won't be against trading up at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see them trading up the second round and make a pick. I can see them going up into the first round. But my, my thing is I would rather just kind of use all five and you know, keep your three third-round picks, keep your uh, fourth-round picks, and you know, make your picks from there and kind of have as many shots at the wheel as you possibly can because – I think a lot of these teams, you know, no matter how much they love somebody, you know, it's fairly rarely that, you know, they work out. And I think it's hilarious what BFD brought up that, you know, this is the, the most anti-richness draft that you could possibly have. And it was a blessing for Houston to lose at this time for this draft because without a first-round pick, there's nothing to, you know, boil him, uh, boil him up at all by. Uh, maybe from Nash, my dear, uh, Chris, when do you think Houston will use the pick they do? Or just going to bring Clint Dempsey for his third tour of duty. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah! I mean, oh, God. As depth, I mean, 
It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, assuming it was a league minimum deal, but I wouldn't want him anywhere near the starting position. There, yeah, yeah, there, sure. yeah it, it, the dude, the dude was successful because of the play around him, and and that's great, and it's wonderful that he was successful, but he's not good. But so many interceptions. All the interceptions. That a boy to dub two. I would want to play in Houston too. If I, I would want to play for Jacksonville. If I wanted them. Uh, are there any kind of mid round picks that you like on this draft? I, uh, as of right now, I'm not ready to answer that question with any sort of intelligent response. <laughs> Damn. I was hoping you'd ask me first so I could give that answer because that's also <laughs> mine. It's just too early for, for draft. I, I just, yeah, for me, the draft stuff doesn't, it used to be my draft research would start, you know, sometime during the season. And then it sort of ended up being closer to the end of the season. And then it just drifts like the more, the older I get and the more work I get piled on my shoulders, at my job, it just gets pushed back further and further. And I don't even start looking at the draft until a few weeks before now. So, you know, really it's just going to be about uh, the positions. If, if, you know, and of course this thing will take shape a little bit more after we see what happens in free agency, but I just have a feeling that they're going to be super, super aggressive with the offensive line in that third round, like at least two of those three picks. I know I'm not going on a huge limb there. I'm just saying, I think, you know, whatever, whatever the best player available is, at those at those positions, I know I know BPA is all about the best player, but I'm I'm going for BPA on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I haven't watched any NFL drafts. I don't watch any at all until usually the drafts actually happen, so that way I know who's going where. Or also depending on how how bored I get, I guess once you know March happens, April's around. Sometimes I watch quarterbacks for the top picks. Uh, just kind of how I'm feeling, but as of Right now, I don't need to think about the, the draft as well either. Now, the, the biggest question kind of is what you meant. Well, not, I guess, the biggest question. One of the big things Houston needs to decide on, uh, since you brought up earlier, Chris, the best extension of Xavier Clowney, uh, would you 100% do this, or would you want to pay for an option, extend them, and then, or you have the ability to pay more right now, so you have less later on down the road? Uh, how do you about the about the question? Would you do it? How do you go about it? I would do it in a heartbeat, without hesitation. I mean, obviously you've got um, some worries there, I guess, as far as the amount it's going to cost. The fact that he's not necessarily an elite pass rusher at this point in his career. Um, I mean, I'm just going to throw out the injury history at this point. He's been fine for a while now. I mean, honestly, if you're if you're going to look at guys who are who are injury prone, you got to look at 99. I hate to say that, but it's just it is what it is. So. Um, for all the hell that Clowney got for being injury prone, I don't really see a lot of people levying that at other guys who are having such issues. I mean, you don't know what you have in Watt. And even if you did know what you had in Watt, why wouldn't you do this to have that duo together? If, if I'm gain, I want to keep those guys together um, in their prime and just hope that you get 70% of J.J. Watt for a couple of more years on the, you know, on the low end, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, with Clowney, I mean, he, he's an elite talent. He's an elite athlete. And the thing is, when you watch him, you can actually see how he can not only get better, but he can get significantly better. And it's just, a, it's just the reality of the NFL that you have to pay uh, for that on the basis of potential. You're not going to get it based on results. You're going to do it based on what you think he can be. So yeah, without hesitation, I would pay him. Um, the numbers that I'm seeing um, sort of trying to pinpoint what he might get are pretty scary, but again, you got to do, it. I think Von Miller got, I want to say 70 mil guaranteed. And 
whether or not, you know, they don't play exactly the same position and, and Clowney's not exactly a, a special, you know, a, a pass rushing specialist, but you know how it is. Like he got that deal. So Clowney's going to be accepting, expecting something close to close to the same. He'll probably average 20 million a year, probably get a minimum, I would guess of 70 million guaranteed. It's just, it's just the cost of doing business in the NFL. And Clowney, I think is a guy that's worth um, rolling the dice on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, waiting I, for me? Uh, yeah, I'm waiting. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to basically just make this really easy and say what Chris said, because I think he's dead on accurate. He's not stats good, but he's 25. He, he plays, I think, this year at 25, which is pretty crazy to think about. And uh, uh, I'm checking my work right now. But you, you have to – you have to take certain risks in the NFL to be successful. And I think this is a risk that's acceptable because he's got so much athleticism. He's going to age a little bit better than your normal guy. Um, he had nine and a half sacks this year. He's, he's becoming stats good. I think you have to pay for that potential. Yes, I'm right. He's 25. He plays 25 in 2018 or he plays at 25 in 2018, which means he's easily got five productive years in front of him. Yeah. You sign him. Mm-hmm. Matt? Yeah, and with Tony too, I think, like he's, I think he's already the best run stopping defense in football, but the pass rushing is what, you know, there is uh, to be desired. And it's just, you know, knowing when to use his moves and getting a better sense and feel for him because in the run, he can just be a barbarian and just be a complete athlete. And he can, he, and he, he has that part of the game down really well as far as techniques and just being able to take on half five rather than all how to attack double teams, those sorts of things. And as in as far as passing goes, I know he's one of the top pass rushers. And for Houston's kind of a good thing. He only had nine and a half sacks. So that way, whenever you negotiate this contract, he kind of uses that as leverage and maybe uh, get that number down a little bit lower than what it could, what it could potentially have been if he had, you know, 14 or whatever. So I think there, that room is there for him to grow from a pass rusher and you're paying for potential. He may be actually able to fulfill it, you know, this year or even the year after. The one big question is just his injuries, which he, you know, he hasn't really been injured the last two years, but it's always a possibility. So, yeah, I would say you accept him and you put it where you're going to pay his bonus as much as you can this year and not next year, but, you know, later on kind of get a good idea of a forecast with it. So, you only have a expectation moving forward and you're not going to be, you know, kind of hampered every year. It's like, four and your five this deal if you know it doesn't work out very well it's kind of like to be able to have the flexibility to negotiate this contract however it is up once with the cap space that they have yeah yep. I, don't, I don't think they have a choice they have they have to move on clown they have to get that done price be damned and 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 like we said a couple times there you know take advantage of the of the salary cap right now and and, and front load that sucker mm-hmm the last question we have about this offseason is from Luke and BFP. He asked the other two questions we have we already pretty much answered. He asked, do you think any potential tackle signing could stun the growth of Julian Davenport as the future at left tackle? If signing over left tackle, would that possibly shift Davenport to the right side? Uh, so what do you think about Davenport as a possible you start on left tackle? And would you have him in there if you love him as that? Or would you want to move him to the right side and let him grow until he could probably move back over to the left? 
I think at some point you have to you have to make a decision um, that you, either you have a right tackle or you have a left tackle on your hands. And the earlier you make that decision, the better. And so if if we do have plans on Helm being a left tackle, then I think you have to make that decision sooner than later. So uh, I don't know. But the problem is, is, is I don't know if he's ready yet, and we're at the decision point. This is a just like reason number 48 why trading Wayne Brown was so freaking stupid on every level. You get Dwayne Brown another year, you get uh, Davenport another year at right tackle, and then you make that choice, not this year. And now we're kind of putting ourselves in, is Davenport ready or not, a year too early. We didn't let that, we didn't let that age well. Um, there's, there's not a left tackle that's out there that really impresses you, and Davenport didn't embarrass himself. I think I would be willing to take somewhat of a risk that Davenport's ready to play left tackle this year for the for the Texans. And this is really based upon Big Matt. I'm really relying on Big Matt's analysis for this. But have yourself a swing tackle, Jeff Allen, that can go and fill that hole and not embarrass himself too badly unless he false starts three times in a row, which makes me go, LOL, Big Matt. Yeah, Big Matt, man. Uh, yeah, I think – well, Davenport played zero snaps to right tackle last year. If he lined up over there, he was playing – offensive line instead of Kendall Lamb or Chris Clark, and uh, that was a lot better than the you know, situation. When he played, he played at left tackle, and you know about him, the biggest thing is just you know, he needs to get stronger, is it? But he has the feet, uh, he has the hands, he has all that sort of you know, part of the position down, and he got he got better, you know, really quickly once he kind of grew more attached to the professional game. I'm so hesitant to just go all, all in and name him the left tackle, but uh, the only good thing about him being right tackle, of course, is Watson can see those pass pressures compared to the left-hand side. But Watson is fine without Andrew Brown at left tackle anyway. So I think if you wanted to go the potential in the wing, I would rather have Houston pay for like Cameron Fleming and have him right tackle and down point tackle than to go out and pay for left tackle and then move to right or have to be a swing guy whenever he doesn't necessarily need to be. So I think just kind of – the situation that Houston, you kind of forced him into it. But I would, I would like to see him pour at least twice with a competition starting and maybe with a against a veteran free who you can get like a one year deal or a two year deal and then put more of your money in the right, right tackle position, I think is more important. Uh, what about you, Chris? What do you think about the Davenport situation? Yeah, I mean, man, I really wish we had an answer on the Derek Newton thing. Obviously, if you're just looking at you know, statistically and the chances of this happening and that happening. I mean, he, it's, there's, there's not a whole lot uh, in his corner um, going forward. So, I mean, yeah, they drafted the guy. So I I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't be putting their eggs in that basket. Um, uh, And, and again, I'm, I'm kind of going just the same as BFD. I'm kind of going on your analysis there because, uh, you know, frankly, I don't think anyone else has put as much time into grading a guy who basically rode the bench in the entire, the entire season. Um, until later in the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they obviously believed in the guy, unless he was a Rick Smith guy, which we'll never know. So, sure, I mean, that, that's as good a plan as, as any right now. Like, this is one of those things where you, when, you go to, when you talk about fixing the offensive line, Brian Gaines should have all his personnel people and everyone who makes a decision or has a hand in making a decision in that, in that boardroom, wherever, at NRG, and just go from person to person and tell them, look, 
no, I, there's no dumb ideas. Let's throw every single thing we possibly can think of against the wall, every different combination, every different strategy to get this thing turned around in a year because it's not like it hasn't been done in the past. You know, you can, you're not going to go from what they had last year to an elite offensive, offensive line, mm-hmm. but there's no reason if they've got the right people in place that can make the right decisions that they can't, you know, maybe get their way into the top 12 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think no, sure. no, Rick. Rick, that's, that's a bad <laughs> idea, Rick. She should be taking care of your wife. <laughs> Would you please leave oh. the freaking room, Rick? Pass. <laughs> 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 yep. Uh, well, that's all I have, and I think we have for a Texans all-season story thing. Do uh, you still want to talk about some movies for 15 minutes, Chris? Sure, sure. I'm Alfie. Love you guys. Kisses, <laughs> hugs, leg hugs, the whole thing. See ya. <laughs> So the so if you're if you're still listening, we're gonna talk about movies for you know 14 minutes or so to end this episode. If you don't want to listen to that, uh, thank you for listening tonight. It's, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. But I know I think you said whenever you emailed me, you said you asked me about you know Black Panther that came out. So I guess go ahead and just kind of be a beatnik and you know, ramble on. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. First of all, have you seen the movie? Yeah, I saw it. And spoilers, okay. we may spoil some stuff a little bit. I I probably won't. But uh, just in case. No, I think I can talk about it without spoilers for the most part. Okay. Um, if something comes up, I'll, I'll alert the, the handful of folks still listening. Um, you know, I, I think it was a good movie. It's, 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 in the, it's in the upper middle portion of the Marvel Universe to me. Now, I'm not a massive comic book movie guy. I see all of them because, you know, I'm a movie guy and I want to see the big event movies. So I, I see them, but I'm not – you know, I don't, I don't know the canon. I haven't read – 99% of the comics I haven't read. Uh, I just, I see it because I want to see the movies. Um, but speaking completely absent of any cult, cultural relevance, you know, it's, it's a, I think an upper middle of the road Marvel movie. It had, I think a really, a lot of people are latching onto the villain. I think the villain was really solid. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the actor, Michael B. Jordan, because I've seen him now in Creed and in this one, and he, he pretty much the same character. I don't know if anyone picked up on that, but the character itself I thought was, was great. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, great. You know, the, the, the effects were fine. There's a lot of um, really strong female characters in the movie, which, which is great. The lead, the guy who plays the lead, eh, you know, I thought he was fine. Um, and the director is definitely a talent and a guy to watch. He did uh, Fruitvale Station and Creed. Uh, so he's, you know, he's worked with Michael B. Jordan before. Um, but I, I thought, you know, I thought it was solid, and I'm not saying that's not culturally culturally relevant because it certainly is. I'm just saying that I, you know I look at a movie strictly from the merits of the of the movie, and to me it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I liked how it was, it was a superhero movie, but it was this case where like it was there was always stakes, uh, there was always tension. It was never boring at all. Uh, it's like I didn't think about Black Panther. And so, like, I learned, I guess, a lot about Black Panther that I never knew about, which is, uh, which is such a fine thing to say. I also, I loved all the wide nature shots, like, of Africa. And so now I just mm-hmm. want to go there and just sit on a rock and just watch lions, you know, run around or, or go there and backpack and get eaten alive. Uh, but, the search yeah, for I, Wakanda. I just, yeah, I want to go out there and find Wakanda. But it was a great movie just to, like, sit there and just watch. It was, it was really pretty. And it's yeah. funny you mentioned that about, Michael B. Jordan, because I felt the same way. Like, 
I like the character. I thought he was one of the better villains I've seen in a comic book movie. And I like Michael B. Jordan. I thought he, he looked good to play the part. I like you. Know, I like the character. I think he looked like it. I just didn't like how he delivered his lines at all. Like, it was so, like, overproduced and, you know, so obvious that, like, he was acting and trying to be, like, so super cool and over the top that every time he spoke, it really kind of took me out of it. Everybody else, I think, was really did a phenomenal job acting in it. And the only thing I liked about it was whenever they actually had the fighting, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, really good Black Panther fighting. And when there was, it was kind of one of those things that you see from other movies where they might put the camera so up close and it's so fast. And there's also yeah. so many I don't even tell what's happening at all. So, like, it was awesome. Like, night, like, all that was great. But like, whenever it came down to what you're watching for, like, the actual fights, good at all because they were so up close and so heavily computerized that you could see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there there was a there was a overabundance of CGI usage, but that I mean that's 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 all you know big event movies nowadays anyway. But very similar to sort of the problems that have some with some of the Spider-Man movies, where you know you're watching something and the entire thing there's not a real there's not a real element in it, and I, I get I get kind of tired of that. I like you know at least have the guy in a suit in front of a green screen. Like it used to be, I would complain, Oh, this is all green screen. And now it's like, well, there's nothing in this that's real. Not even the suit is real. There's so many, there's so mm-hmm. many scenes in that movie where like the entire thing was, was animated. I mean, it, it literally, it literally, man, it, I, I don't know what the Academy rules are for what makes an animated movie, but there's been several um, MCU movies, you know, Marvel cinematic universe movies lately that, I mean, are so they're, they're so CGI that I, I don't even know how much real footage is actually in a lot of them. And that that gets a little bit tiresome for me, but but I mean, I was entertained the whole time. It never it was never boring. I would totally see a sequel, and I mean, I would see it. I would see the movie again, honestly, on the big screen. It was it was a, it was a fun watch. Mhm. Yeah, and I may go see it one more time. I have some little brothers that want to go see it, so I may. That. I, mean, I don't know. I'd go watch, drop them off, and put them in that theater, and I'll go see Nightwish. When you watch it the second time, and if, if I do this, I'll do the same. Anytime Killmonger delivers a line, I'm going to end the line in my head with right after I go work out. Because there's no <laughs> way that guy, there's no way that guy had time to do anything in his life other than work out. Yeah, his, like, his body is just like his upper back is really tiny waist. And he looks like a wrestling action figure. Yeah. It looks like a Ninja Turtle villain, like an action figure form. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't know how, how you do that. Uh, so I, I don't even know what Oscars are, but they're coming up, I guess, fairly soon. Uh, what was the movie you saw last year? And do you have any big Oscar predictions at all? Not really. You know, despite being a movie guy, I really am not an award show guy at all. Um, it's just it's just so, so frivolous to me and superfluous. I just, like, my that whatever shriveled part of me is still con- considers myself, you know, that wannabe writer artist from 20 plus years ago still, you know, latches on to the fact that I hate award shows and, and all that, but I'll certainly go down a list of a few movies I like now. So this, these are sort of not just, not necessarily the best of the year, because honestly, I don't think there was a movie this year that I just flat out loved. Um, a couple of years ago, there were a few, like, I, I loved the Mad Max movie. Um, I thought that was just so artistic. I loved, um, I get, I catch all for this, but that, the Leo movie that he won 
uh, best actor for that I'm uh, where he Red has the fight with the bear. Oh, I love that movie. Um, awesome directing this year. I mean, there's some movies that I really liked. I mean, I saw Get Out. I thought Get Out was a little bit overhyped, um, but definitely, a, definitely a great movie. Um, awesome thriller. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. We talked about it length before. I was a big fan of that one. Um, Dunkirk, I was a little bit disappointed by. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. And that movie was just straight up war action from start to finish. And I'm still, I guess, old school enough that I like a little story in my war movie. Um, um, let's see. I jotted down a couple other ones here. Um, Baby Driver, by uh, directed by Edgar Wright. I don't know if you know much about his filmography, but he did um, Shaun of the Dead. He did Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, he did, I'm thinking of a couple of, he did Hot Fuzz. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Hot mm-hmm. Fuzz, but I'm a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim versus the World and a huge, huge fan of Shaun of the Dead. So I thought Baby Driver was pretty good. Um, a movie that I thought that is another comic book movie that I was surprised I liked as much as I did was Logan. Um, and see this one, the things that I like about it, I really can't talk about without giving spoilers, but I'll just say spoilers because it's been out long enough now that people should have seen it by now. So if you haven't seen Logan yet, people spoilers, Matt, have you seen Logan? Do you have any interest in yeah. Logan? Mm-hmm. Yes. You have. Okay. The thing I liked about Logan was spoilers, everybody. You have these iconic characters, professor X and Wolverine who literally die in a nondescript way and they get buried in a forest somewhere in some nondescript unmarked grave. I mean, that's just, that's such a gut punch to me. And I'm not even like a huge X-Men fan. In fact, of all the comic type basis for movies, X-Men is not really one of my favorites. Um, and man, it just, it just, I just thought it was so crazy that you have these, these legendary iconic characters in American cinema. And I mean, if you want to call comics literature, then also in literature, that in this movie just they get they just die and they just get chucked in a grave in a forest somewhere. And I just thought that was that had so much impact. Like they they gave real true impact to death. And in a lot of movies, especially in a lot of like candy pop blockbuster type movies, death is never treated the way it should be. You know, there's no seriousness to it. You don't have any impact. There's no emotional impact to it. And these two guys who've been in our and our collective consciousness in this country for so many years are such a big deal in these, in these comic books. Are, they're just, they just die, and they just get buried in this forest out of, somewhere along the stream. I just thought that was super impactful. Um, so that's one that I thought was pretty notable. Um, Wonder Woman, you know, I thought was, was fine. Kind of, a, kind of similar to Black Panther. It had this kind of cultural relevance to it that I just tried to ignore. But, you know, the movie was fine. It was definitely the best DC movie I think I've probably ever seen, but that's not saying much at all. Um, I'm starting to I'm starting to run out of names here. I'll throw one more out at you, Matt. And this is mm-hmm. one that literally I've seen no gray area. Like either people really like this movie or they absolutely hate it. It's a movie called Mother with Jennifer Lawrence and um, oh God, the guy who uh, was in No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem. And mm-hmm. I, I would just say if you haven't seen that. Check that out sometime. Don't read up about it. Don't read about what it's about. Just watch it and then get back to me. Either you'll be mad at me or you'll say, hey, thanks for recommending that. Yeah, because I've wanted to see that because I, I love Javier Bardem. And I, I love No Country for Old Men. It's my favorite movies and one of my favorite books. I was like, yeah, I'm 100% in for this. And then it came out. And then, like, I saw things. My friend who you really watches by everything, he told me it's terrible. I did not watch it. So I was kidding, I'll probably... 
Uh, won't watch it then. And then I saw you know, it's spectacular. You have to see it. And it was so, like, mixed back and forth, like you said. I'll probably check that out. Uh, the, the one, you know, I, one of the things I saw here uh, that you talked about was Dunkirk. And I thought, like, I, Dunkirk was fun, but, like, there was just no repercussions at all for anybody at all in the movie. Like, it's a movie and nobody's, like, really dying at all. They're all just kind of getting really long gunfights where nothing really happens at all. Like, it's, it's horrifying. It never boils over at all. It never, like, reaches anything. And the, the part where the dog fights in the airplanes, and, but, like, there's actually happened there, but the rest of it is just, like, things almost kind of sort of happen the entire time. That was frustrating. Uh, the best thing I saw this year, though, was the Ken Burns movie. I just finished watching that. It's, you know, 10 episodes. They're two hours long each. And I, I, I cried, like, seven times watching it, and it was just, you know, unbelievable. Now I learned about it. Uh, you know, Tim O'Brien's my favorite author. But it's actually like sit there and see it. Like they have the scene of, you know, this, this jungle grass and you hear a whistle blow and the entire North Uni- Vietnamese squad gets up and takes off. And it's just you know, the most horrifying thing ever. And I can imagine actually being in the jungle doing that. But that was my favorite thing that I watched this past year. And that's something that I'll was check really that out for sure. I've, I've yeah. heard good things. And you watch it like, you know, an hour at a time, wake up and back up and all that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll check that one out because I'm a big documentary fan. So I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah. And, you know, everything Ken, Ken Burns has done has been, you know, really good. Except for like that one weird thing about the American West. That I'm kind of sure. Yeah, I missed that one. I think I started that one and then just kind of bailed. Yeah. He does other things that are similar but better. Um, well, I guess the, the British lady's going to kick us off. I gave us an hour and a half to reserve this room, so that's all, all we can do tonight. But we can come back on, I guess, later on the summer, and we can do more of this sort of talk. And as well, the door is always sure. open whenever we discuss free agency, the NFL draft, uh, everything else. And we're assuming to hit, hit that dead zone probably about you know, two months or so as well. So we'll let uh, we'll well, you have me on. on. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening live, everybody, tonight. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks again for being on Die Hard. My name is Jonathan. Thank you for listening to Red Radio. Thanks a lot. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.